From Washington, this is Political Theater, Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Dick. When you start a new job, you want to avoid any kind of rookie mistakes, particularly if you're in Congress and your rookie mistakes could be played out on the national stage. With us to discuss avoiding rookie mistakes is Tom Davis, former congressman from Virginia. He was elected in 1994 as part of the Republican wave. He's now a principal at Holland Knight. And in between those, the election there and his current gig, he served as chairman of the National Republican Congressional Committee, as well as the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee. Tom Davis, welcome to Political Theater. Oh, thanks for having me. So before we get into the rookie mistakes and the more proscriptive uh, part of our, uh, our, our podcast, does anything come to mind in terms of like, you know, one of those moments you just wish you had back? You, uh, you were experienced in the ways of public policy before you got to Congress. Right. You even went to the Capitol Page School uh, yeah. and, and you were in the- and Fair- I, Look, I'd, I'd yeah. run a county, Fairfax right. County. I was, the, I was the, the chief elected official in Fairfax, so I had some governance experience. Right. Uh, but Capitol Hill's a big sea change because right. you're not number one or it's a small group, you're in a larger group. And did I make do things I regretted every day? <laughs> every day you come back because I wish I'd said this different or done this different. And it seems like the, the there's such a huge um, you know sort of you know explosion of media, particularly social media. Members of Congress, even the the youngest ones, the the least experienced ones, are are savvy when it comes to the a little savvier when it comes to the cameras and social media. But we've already seen some some things kind of go the wrong way for some of the, the, the new folks who were just sworn in last week. Uh, you know, th- we had a, a member of Congress from Michigan use a profanity in terms of you know, describing the president. Uh, we, we've had folks go on, you know, 60 Minutes and, and sort of say that, well, you know, kind of exaggerating the truth isn't such a, such a big deal when it lar- arrives at a larger truth. I, I heard that a lot when I was in graduate school and uh, <laughs> writing, uh, writing fiction. You a lot in politics. <laughs> a lot in politics these um, days. And, and, and these are just... These these are just a couple of things off the top of my head. What are what are some of the more common rookie mistakes uh, that that are easily avoidable for a new member of Congress? Well, first of all, you, you've you've got to decide what kind of member you want to be. Mm-hmm. You have some members that get there, and they're going to just be whatever the leadership wants. I want to suck up. I want to get on the key committee. I want to rise, and that's playing with leadership. Mm-hmm. You have other members who say, you know, my district uh, is not a safe seat. I want to make sure that I've got a plan to come back here for a second term, mm-hmm. and therefore I'm going to put my district uh, uh, first. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, ha- you, members have to decide. And and what I found a lot of times are members come up and they're not sure who they want to be. They try to be all things to to to, to, to all people. Mm-hmm. We had one member of the house who got so convoluted in his voting record. He voted one time one way, one time another. He was the last guy to vote, seeing how everybody else was very nervous about a, a couple of the hot issues like abortion and the like. Finally, somebody in the press asked him what he stood for. And his answer was, I stand for a good constituency service. <laughs> and, and then he was gone. Right. That was the end of it. But but I'm just saying, you got to be whoever you are right. and then be that person. Don't be somebody else. Voters can tell you if you're not genuine on mm-hmm. this. And you had members that were taking the plan, I'm going to not vote for Pelosi I'm and the like. And then the first day, they've got to come off. And they're really torn between wanting to be loyal to the leadership on the one hand, finding out maybe she's not as, as bad as I thought she was when I was running, and what you said to your constituents and how do you handle that. And so on the first day, we had a number of members uh, under uh, you know, who, were, who were tested on that. Mm-hmm. And, and the lesson there I learned is don't make a commitment too early. Okay. 
And I think some of these people jumped the gun on this. They got their consultant said, you, you got to run away from Pelosi and the like. And now they're sitting there and finding out she's actually a pretty good leader. If you're a Democrat, you're a Republican, she, you, you, I understand you're, you're going to demonize her. But she's been a pretty effective leader, and she's pretty effective within the caucus. Uh, and so, so they, they've got to live with that one way or the other. So, I mean, in, in the course of your six terms in office, I mean, you— or seven. You, or seven terms, sorry. Pardon six, me. I uh, might uh, have been uh, more profitable. Uh, uh, <laughs> Um, you were part of a, a majority change. Uh, you, you, you were part of a class that changed the majority from Democrats to Republicans. Uh, you oversaw the campaign committee where you held on and even expanded the majority in, right. in 2002. And then you were part of the minority, too, uh, after right. after the Republicans lost the House in 2006. And you were on uh, oversight and government reform as the as, a, as ranking after being chairman. That seems to be um, almost now like an old-fashioned kind of way of of, of constructing a career because it it seems like the the what we hear a lot, particularly on the Republican side, is how demoralized they are and how like this is just a tough adjustment in the minority. Uh, like, that, do you do you have advice for your former colleagues that you know? I, I mean, maybe along the lines of does this doesn't last forever? I mean, like they're like it's well, a series up of them. ups and downs. That's up to them whether yeah. it lasts forever. Or not. Yeah. I mean, I think. When they say, why do they lose the majority? I mean, some of them can point to the White House, but some of them can point at their own decisions that their leadership made at this mm-hmm. point in terms of uh, of staying with the president on some uh, issues that weren't too popular. Uh, looking at a tax bill that was very punitive to states like California and New Jersey, where basically uh, Democrats cleaned they up. were Democratic yeah. killing zones. Yeah. So um, y- you can look at these issues. It might be good policy, but if I were from New Jersey, I wouldn't have voted for it. I, you, you're, how do you explain to your constituents you're raising uh, raising their taxes at right. a time everybody's proclaiming this is a great tax cut? And same with California. Um, so, so I think they need to look. The leadership needs to look internally. Do they want to tie themselves to the president, or do they want to show some independence? Uh, bifurcation is not necessarily bad. Uh, you know, Republicans uh, in the 104th Congress bifurcated with President Clinton, and they got themselves reelected. And President Clinton got reelected. Mm-hmm. So what's important to you, getting the House reelected, getting the president reelected, and putting some of your own members in jeopardy? I'd note that in 2006, when the Democrats took back the House, a number of Republicans survived uh, relatively narrowly that year, but they survived. They lost in 2008. Why? Because the Republicans didn't change course. They didn't make the kind of adjustments that you would make a quarterback would make at the line when he sees he has a different lineup. So um, it's really on the leadership at this point to, that will stir the atmospherics for the next election. A lot of it's dependent on the presidency, but does Congress want to have its own brand? And it's even more difficult now because the, the president has come over and, and kind of remade the Republican Party and, and certainly in its branding uh, at this point, which is contrary to a party that a lot of these members were originally elected uh, under. You know, how, how, do you, how do you handle that? Uh, do you get punished for what the president does? And and they're going to be faced, I think, with other issues when uh, Mueller comes in with his report, and we'll see what, what the Democrats do with that. On a more sort of personal and social level, I mean, the I mean, you certainly had your differences with your Democratic colleagues over the course of your career in, in Congress, but it didn't ever seem to get nasty. Uh, and ev- even when you know, like the you had a, a sort of a um, a, a serious professional rivalry with somebody like Martin Frost, the Democrat from Texas, who chaired your, the, mm-hmm. the Democrats' campaign committee chairman, uh, and and when you were working with Henry Waxman, who I, th- I think the my favorite quote about you know the description of Waxman was that he was tougher than a boiled owl. I mean, <laughs> but but that didn't ever seem <laughs> he to was get tougher than raw owl, right? <laughs> but it didn't ever seem to get nasty, and even with the policy differences, how can I mean if if people are interested um, in in this very 
bifurcated and, and partisan atmosphere. How do they seek out those sort of relationships, especially if they're new to town? Well, I, first of all, I think you have to take people who they are. You're not going to change people. These members have all been elected. Uh, some of them think they got themselves elected. Some of them, of course, just got the bus and it let them off in Washington in a wave year. But mm-hmm. for whatever reason, you got to get in the head of the person you're talking to and recognize you're not going to change them. You have to work with who they are. I was blessed with Henry Waxman because uh, this was a brilliant man who was very honest and principled, but he was in politics for the right reasons. We just didn't agree on a lot of issues. But I took that's who he was, and our conversations were always high level, recognizing his needs, he recognized my needs, and it was, can, can we work something out? And even when we disagreed on the committee, it was orderly. We knew uh, what amendments they were likely to offer. Uh, we knew what amendments we tried to take. We tried to accommodate them where we could. It was a very, very high level dealing with t- people who at least considered ourselves principled people uh, but recognized we needed to turn out a work product. And this came particularly true on investigations uh, where it can become uh, pretty nasty pretty fast. Uh, y- yes, and, and especially you know if somebody doesn't know how to work uh, PDF and uh, redactions, exactly. <laughs> as, as we have seen uh, in the, the Manafort situation where the— the redactions were just sort of magically yeah. lifted. On a on a social level, I mean, there's much sort of is made. Sorry to use the passive voice. Uh, I mean, if my English teacher mother would not appreciate that. But much is made though of how little time members of Congress spend in Washington. We, I mean, there there's a new sort of schedule, particularly with the House, and we'll see. You know, if if that if actually it's a little bit more of. A, conducive to, to policymaking. Do you think that that's a problem? I mean, this is something as somebody who uh, is, is, you know, represented the Virginia suburbs, it wasn't as much of an issue for you because you, you, you know, I mean, you had a long commute, like <laughs> Virginia traffic is no joke. But, you know, for, for members from California, from, uh, you know, like, or, or hard to reach places in the West Co- or the Midwest and so forth. Is this, is this, a, is this an issue? Is this really an issue, or is it a, is it a bigger issue? Than well, I think it's a lifestyle issue. Look, members of Congress haven't had a raise in 10 years. Mm-hmm. Not likely to get one again uh, shortly. Uh, no, I mean, nobody's whining for them, but this is a town where the salary that members get, a, a lot of them get defeated and they make more money mm-hmm. uh, for a, a lot of reasons. This is a high-cost area. Right. Um, and having trying to maintain two residences, even if one of them is just rental, that's why members are sleeping on their couches. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes this a, a, not a family-friendly place. And you want to try to balance in any job uh, your, your lifestyle. You know, what's your family, what's your work, and everything else. And I think in Congress, too much time is spent on running for re-election and trying to get some family time here and there and not enough on legislation. Now, the other side of it is legislation is usually written by a few people. It's the committee chairman, committee staff, uh, and members kind of fall in line. I mean, many of us, it's almost like your furniture waiting for the deal. Mm-hmm. And then you do I go with the deal or do I not go with the deal on, on, on the macro? But there are a lot of smaller bills that go through that members can play a role and read the committee reports and get to know, uh, to, to know the system. I, I think one of the easiest things Congress can do to try to bring back some comity and working together is to bring back earmarks, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. It's, it, under the Constitution, under Article One, that's a congressional responsibility. Mm-hmm. But the Republicans ended up punting that responsibility and giving that to the Obama administration. Fig, go right. figure. Yeah. They'd sue him one day for usurping his power and that they handed over the power of the purse to him. Uh, it, it was kind of bizarro world to me where they were reacting to cable news and talk radio and some of these folks instead of trying to sit up there and, and, and make the right policies. The end result of that is in this last election, a lot of these members who lost narrowly uh, in these swing districts 
Had they had a bridge or a highway or something they could have pointed to that made a difference, their voters might have seen, you know, I may not like uh, Trump. I may be mad at the Republicans, but this guy's helping me out. But they, they couldn't do that. So the end result is these races have become basically parliamentary elections. Mm-hmm. It's no longer all politics. It's local. Right. They're all nationalized, except very few members are able to personalize their districts anymore because there's no earmark. I, I, w- I was thinking about this recently. The maybe the the best movie ever made on on earmarks uh, is Charlie Wilson's War you know, with Tom, Tom great, Hanks, great movie, and, and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and Julia Roberts. And he he has this line uh, that that he uses. This is like I have the benefit of of uh, representing the only district in America that doesn't want anything. <laughs> And it, was, it it occurred to me that oh wow you know this is I mean the 1980s and 1990s was the sort of the heyday of of earmarks I right. mean where people could you know they they everybody could sort of get what they needed for their district and walk away and I mean this is there's some something to say that you know sometimes you need to revisit these sort of uh, arrangements but it does the system does seem a little less uh, functional at this well, point. Well, look if if it may be a democratic appropriation bill. Mm-hmm. But you throw in a bridge for me or you throw in an extra lane on a highway or uh, or something like that, I can get to yes. A- aesthetically pleasing steel slat wall? Or? Well, whatever. <laughs> I mean, we say one man's uh, pork is another man's steak. It's, you know, you know. So, I mean, so it, it, in a nutshell, it sounds like, I mean, what, what your, your sort of back of the envelope advice to a new member of Congress is um, – Take your job seriously. Decide, you know, what kind of member you want to be. Um, yeah, who are you? Don't who, who don't you? be somebody else. Right. Voters see through phoniness pretty quickly, and when a vote comes up and you're fretting, you know, do what you think is right. You'll so do your homework. Right. <laughs> yeah, understand the yeah. issue a little bit. I mean, you can't be an expert on every issue. And I'd look up on the board and I'd look where people I respected and thought similarly where they were, and that was sometimes a guiding light. You look at what's happening in neighboring districts. Uh, but you generally don't get taken out on an individual vote. It's a whole narrative you're putting up there. I had a lot of, quote, quote, bad votes for my district. But I had a narrative out there where I was out front on a lot of issues that I was forgiven because I was producing in a number of other areas. One of the things that I uh, I remember we were on a panel a couple of years back. And, and one of the things you said that was like that, I mean, you, you missed Capitol Hill. You missed some of the energy. But you also acknowledged that for the most part, and this is when you were at Deloitte, you said, I'm doing a lot of the same things. I'm, I'm working on public policy, but I also get to walk my dog in the morning. Right. <laughs> and so do you do you ever have those moments where you just, gosh, you just wish you were back in politics? Or is it is that another chapter? Is that something for other people? you, you got to put it in the rearview mirror. I mean, now look, I walked away from it undefeated and unindicted, and that's the way you want to leave the place. <laughs> Another another point there, undefeated, und- unindicted. Yeah. But members who lose, uh-huh. uh, you know, you kind of, you, 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 you want to come back and you, 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 there, there's, you want to go back on your own terms. You mm-hmm. kind of feel like it was personal. It wasn't in most cases. Uh, but that's what they're looking for. They're looking for, for some kind of forgiveness from their voters. And there's kind of a longing to at least leave on your own terms. Those of us who walk away from it on our own, I think, feel uh, a little differently about it. Well, Tom Davis, thank you so much for taking a little time to to talk about this this new Congress. I know. Uh, well, I think it's, it's a, exciting. Look, I'm yeah. a, I'm a Republican, and you can look at my economic votes, and there's no question I'm a I'm a Republican. The cultural stuff's a, a little little bit different, um, but I think it's exciting. We've got a lot of new members there, and they think they're going to write a new chapter in history. What they've got to remember is that the uh, the Republicans are the opposition. The enemy is the Senate. 
because the Senate <laughs> works at a completely different pace under completely different rules, and you're not going to change the world your first term. Uh, but you can make an impact. Uh, you can kind of lay down the your flag in terms of this is where I am. And if you bring back earmarks, you can do something to really help people back in your your own districts. But it's tough to come in in a gov- middle of a government shutdown and sit there the first two weeks and not being able to do anything about it because people are unwilling to budge off their positions. It does. It, I believe this is the first time we've had a, a shutdown, you know, go across con- across uh, Congress, so. dealing without getting it done. And since the election is two years away, I don't think anybody necessarily pays a political price at the end of the day for this. So there, you don't have uh, the pressure to give in. Uh, like you ordinarily would. Well, thank you so much for talking to us. Good to be here. Thanks. And thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, NPR One, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. For more on this and other stories, you can visit RollCall.com or find us on Twitter at RollCall. And thanks for listening.